How you feeling? I'll tell you what, for 9.30, you're on fire. Hey, before you have a seat, can you give it up for your pastors, Pastor Jen and Jeremy? My gosh. Love you. It's an absolute, go ahead and have a seat. It's an absolute honor for me to be here. Um, I, I always feel like home when I'm here. I got saved in this room, learned how to read the Bible in this room, learned how to pray in this room, got called into ministry in this room. Like, I, when I come into this room, I come in here expecting to hear from God. And I hope that's where you're at this morning. I hope you're expecting to hear from God. Um, as Jer and I were talking about the date and to come speak and then this series, The, the Battle Within, right? That's what, that's what this series is. Man, I love that title, The Battle Within. And um, me, I was tell, me and Jill were talking about it and she couldn't make this trip and I was super bummed because I always like to have her with me. But we started going down memory lane and as we were doing it, I was like, you know what? I'm going to throw up some pictures because I don't know if some of you guys have seen your pastor back in the day. <clears throat> Would you guys put up those first two pictures? This is Jeremy marrying me and Jill. It looks like Connor DeWert is marrying us. Hey, look at that bottom picture. You wanna know what makes me mad? He looks exactly like that today. Look at that dark hair I had. I don't have that anymore. Jeremy just looks like you got a haircut. You haven't aged a day. Like, how do you do that? Uh, I found these pictures. Go ahead and put those next ones up. That's my oldest son, Ethan, and Caden and Connor. My gosh, I'm going to start crying. I don't like kids growing up. I'm against that whole concept. <laughs> Last picture, go ahead. That's all six of our boys, obviously watching something very important. Um, and now... The one on the far left is engaged. What? Where's Caden? Is Caden, are you in here? How is this possible? Bro, congratulations. I'm so happy for you. I love you, Caden. I was in the hospital the night you were born. And, and, and you should have seen the look on your father's face. Because he just came out of the room, first child, he saw things a man shouldn't see. He didn't know what to do with himself. I was counseling him the night you were born. <laughs> I'm happy to be here. I, I love this, this, this series. Um, today we're going to talk about anxiety and depression. Anybody in here, would you be honest enough to say you either have felt anxiety or depression or care about somebody who has? Any of us? Look around for a second. Because it's real important that you understand you're not the only one when we're talking about this stuff. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Satan wants you to believe that you're the only one. He wants you to believe you got to hide your, this defect. He wants you to feel shame. He wants you to think you're a second-class Christian. Because if I talk about a God who offers peace and joy, but yet I don't have peace and joy, then maybe I'm a hypocrite. Maybe I don't have good faith. I better hide this stuff when I come to church. This is not a country club. This is a hospital where you come and you go, this is how I'm injured. Right? The CDC says right now that over 50% of all Americans will deal with a mental health issue in their lifetime, like anxiety and depression. 
It's crazy. And, and we know the deal. COVID just poured gas on the fire, hasn't it? What that stat tells me is almost every single one of us in this room has either dealt with this stuff personally or cares about somebody who is. But here's what I also know. It is not God's plan for our life. It is not God's plan for our life. I want to talk to some of you who are struggling with this stuff right now. Some of you who have family members who are struggling with this stuff right now because I have struggled with it. I know how hopeless and overwhelming it can be. But I want to start to build your faith already this morning because this is where God's taking you. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. That's the opposite of anxiety and depression. Fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him so that you may overflow so not that you can get just get by not that you can just survive it not that I'm just barely going to keep my head above water no God says I want to do over and above in your life I want joy and hope to overflow not because you're strong enough to figure it out because if you were you already would have it's not by our power it's by the power of the Holy Spirit that's where we're going. That's, that's, I, want your, I want you to start building your faith already because I know how hopelessness sets in when we're dealing with anxiety and depression. I've just dealt with it. In fact, in 2019, I was coming home from the dentist. I always knew as a kid the dentist was a scary place to go. Coming home from the dentist and I started having a panic attack. Now, I had been dealing with anxiety and depression for many years. Most of those years I spent trying to hide it because I was so embarrassed and I felt so broken and I felt so shameful. And I started having this panic attack and I knew that this one was at a different level. And my chest started getting real tight. I felt like I was about to suffocate and my skin started crawling and I, and I started shaking and then I started crying and then I started feeling crazy claustrophobic. And I didn't know what to do. And, and I called my wife and I said, babe, I need help. Pray for me right now. She goes, can you make it home? I said, I don't think I can. And I pulled my truck over to the side of the road. And I, I just started walking along the side of this highway. And I'm like crying and shaking and yelling for help to God. And why aren't you here? And what's going on? And I can't live this way. And the first people my wife texted was Pastor Jen and Jeremy. And she just said, pray. And then she came and found me with some friends along the highway. And when they got there, I was a total wreck the first thing I said was I quit I can't do it I can't be a pastor I can't take the pressure I can't live this way I, I got super suicidal I, I gave away all my guns because I couldn't trust myself like it got bad isn't it crazy how we look at people's lives from the outside and see one thing isn't it crazy how people can look at our lives and think, man, they got it all put together and what we know in our heart and in our mind is, no, I'm struggling in ways I don't even know how to explain to my friends. You know what I'm talking about? That's where I was. And my wife got real scared and she called one of my pastors and, and he lives in Alabama. I call him PC. And uh, he said, get to Alabama. So we went to Alabama. And I'm sitting in his office. And I'm just falling apart. Can't stop crying. Been having multiple panic attacks a day feel like I'm just like losing my mind, didn't think I'd ever be able to come back to work, I didn't know what to do, and I'm just falling apart in his office, and, and he's, he's like a, a sweater vest pastor, like he wears sweater vests, you know what I mean, and like sport coats, and like just looks like such a nice guy, and so what I thought is, I thought he was going to hear me tell him how my life has fallen apart, and I thought he was going to like walk around the table, and like give me a little... Well, you go get them, buddy, hug, you know what I mean? Maybe even some soothing back rub stuff. No, not my pastor. 
he looked at me right in the eyes and he said, Sean, you're a fighter. I can see it in your eyes. You're a fighter. It's time you stopped blaming yourself and it's time you started to fight back. It's time you started fighting the enemy. He said, you don't have to just deal with depression and be attacked by anxiety, but through the powerful name of Jesus Christ and through the Holy Spirit, we can actually say, no, I don't have to stand for this. I'm going to attack back. And I'm going to start experiencing some of that freedom and peace and joy that God said Jesus died to provide me with. And he was teaching me three things in that conversation. He was teaching me, it's time to fight. It's a spiritual battle. He talked about fighting the enemy, which I had never seen my anxiety. I always thought I was fighting against my anxiety. He's like, no, you're fighting against the enemy. This is a spiritual battle. And then he said, let me help you get started. And that's what I want to do for some of you today. I want to start with this. The The title of today's message is, it's time to fight. It's time to fight. Here's what I want you to know. God has hardwired a fighter spirit inside of you. You may not have tapped into it for a while. That's how I felt. But there is a a fighter spirit, right? What's he say? I haven't given you a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. I got a fighter spirit inside of you, son, inside of you, daughter. And today I'm going to encourage you to start tapping into it. There's this biblical principle we see all throughout the Bible where God says, I have something for you. I have a promise for you. I have a new level of freedom for you. I have a calling. I have a plan for you. But, but we see it all the time. But then he says, I want you to use that fighter spirit I put inside of you and go fight to take hold of the very thing I have in store for you. We see this all the time. There's this verse in Galatians, Paul's writing to a bunch of friends at a church he just started, and, and he's explaining this to, to them. And he says, it's for freedom... That Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Now understand he's talking about two different levels of freedom. He said it's for freedom that you've been set free. You've been set free eternally. Now I want you to live free in the here and now. So I want you to stand firm in the middle and access that fighter spirit I put in you. And don't let some things continue to have dominion over your life anymore. You've been set free. I want you to live free. But you're going to have to stand up and take hold of it. Right? If you've been in church for a while, you know the story of Joshua leading the nation of Israel across the Jordan River and into the promised land. And, and I, I want to I read what God said to Joshua Right before he said, I want you to go do this thing that can't be done because the Jordan River is at flood season and people will die. And you can't take a nation of people through this river unless God intervenes miraculously. But here's what he says. He says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, let me give you some context. If you read the chapter of the book right before this, Moses has just died. Moses is the guy that, you've seen the movie, he went to Pharaoh and said, let my people go. And the nation of Israel got out of this 400-year stint of slavery and parted the Red Sea and went through. They spent 40 years wandering in the desert trying to get to this thing that God had said, I'm going to give you, called the promised land. Okay, Moses is dead. He dies. The whole nation of Israel, including Joshua, goes into this month-long season of crying and weeping and mourning and sadness and heartbreak. Now, I don't know about you, but if, some, if I'm 
crying and mourning and weeping and feel sad and brokenhearted for a month. And someone says, how are you doing? If I'm honest, I'm going to say not good. I'm feeling pretty depressed, right? Joshua is in one of the saddest times of his life. His friend and leader just died. Been crying for a month. At his lowest point, God says, he says, now then you and all these people get ready. I love that. I know you've had a hard time. I know depression is real. I know anxiety is real. I know heartbreak is real. I know hopelessness is real. Now then you get ready. No more are you going to live in this. I got something else I got in store for you. I'm about to take you somewhere new. Let God speak to you about your season right now. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them. To the Israelites, I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. Now get this. One of the most famous coffee mug verses out of this whole story is, is do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go, right? That's God talking to Joshua about going into the promised land. Here's what Joshua didn't know, that we now know by reading it. They're going to have to fight 31 battles to take the promised land. God said, I'm giving you this. I've already promised you this. Every place you set your foot, I'm going with you. I'm giving it to you. But he had to go fight 31 battles to take possession of the very thing God had promised him. I got something for you. Now son, now daughter, tap into that fighter spirit I hardwired in you and let's go get this freedom that you're craving. Second Timothy 4, 7 says this. This is Paul talking to his protege, Timothy. He says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. He said, God had a plan for my life. And I walked in that plan. I walked in that calling. And let me tell you what, it was not easy. In fact, Paul one time wrote to, to a whole bunch of his friends. And thank God we have it in the Bible so we can know we're not the only ones. He said, ministry has been so hard. There's been so much pressure. I have actually wanted to die because of the anxious pressure I've been dealing with. We're not the only ones. But he writes to Timothy and he says, if you're going to experience the things God has for you, if you're going to walk in this calling that he has on your life, it, don't get it twisted. It's going to be a fight. But you can do it. It's a good fight. It's a worthwhile fight. Right? So I want you to get that in, in your spirit. It's going to be a fight. Now, I don't know about you, but the first thing I thought when my pastor told me that, honestly, if I'm being honest, was, sounds cool. I'm exhausted. I've been having panic attacks every single day. I'm a grown man crying, feeling like my whole life's falling apart multiple times a day. If I had energy to fight, I already would be. I don't have anything left in me. Have you ever been dealing with something and, you, and people that just care about you are trying to call and you see their name and you go, I know they love me. I don't have the energy to tell this story again. I don't, I just, have you ever, te people text you and like just checking in on you, how are you? And I'm like, I'm so grateful for that text. I don't have the energy to respond. I don't have the energy to even give you a fake emoji smile right now. Like it's just not in me. I, right? 
I just, I just wrote this book on this subject called Attacking Anxiety, and my publisher didn't want me to call it Attacking Anxiety because they're like, that's, that's too overwhelming. People who are dealing with this stuff, they feel too tired and too exhausted already, and I go, I understand that, but that's the whole point. We've got to get past that, awaken that fighter spirit within us, and go get this freedom. But understand this, we are not relying on our strength for this fight. We're relying on God's strength. This fight is not, it's, it's, not, it's about our God's strength, not about our strength. Ephesians 3.20, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to whose power? His power. That verse, I love that verse because I can't tell you how many days I felt like my anxiety was more than I could bear. My hopelessness was more than I could bear. My depression was so great, I never thought it would go away. I couldn't even imagine a better future. And God says, that's okay, because I'll do things in your life that you can't even imagine. And it won't be about your power. It'll be about the Holy Spirit's power. It's about my power. When I was, uh, when I was in grade school, I rode the bus to school. I was a bus kid, one of those. We got counseling issues, us bus kids. Well, we had assigned seats, and I lived way out in the country, so I was the first one on and the last one off. And I, my assigned seat was next to this high school kid. We're going to call him Jeremy. <laughs> no, I can't do that. I can't do that. We're going to call him Caden. No, I'm just kidding. Caden's like, hey, what about? We're going to call him Jeff. We're going to call him Jeff. That's innocent. So, so, so I sit next to this, this kid named Jeff. And... Uh, I don't know what it was, but he just liked picking on me. He would, he would always punch me on the thigh, punch me in the arm. Um, he took it a pencil eraser one day and did that thing on my arm and scratched all the skin off. And I had a scar for like 10 years. He would, he would push me off the edge of the seat. He would call me names. He'd just pick on me all the time. Well, I never told my dad about it because I was embarrassed that I couldn't handle it on my own. It's kind of how we feel about our anxiety and our depression. I don't want to tell anybody how bad it is because I feel shame that I can't deal with it on my own. One day he got out a marker and he started writing cuss words all over my homework. I don't know why, he just did. So I get home and my dad sees my papers and he's like, what's this? I'm like, ah, kind of a thing, kind of a situation I haven't wanted to talk about because you've always told me to handle my business and I just can't. I don't know what to do. And he's like, who did this? I said, Jeff? He said, Jeff down the street, Jeff? Yeah. My dad's not. Well, you'll see. He goes, get in the car. And I'm like, oh, no, no, no. He goes, get in the car. We drive down to Jeff's house with the windows down, of course, because we can't waste gas money on air conditioning. And so we got the windows down. And so I hear everything. We pull up right to the front door, and he goes up to the front door and pounds on that front door. And then, and then Jeff's dad comes to the door, and unfortunately, Jeff's, Jeff's dad was a little guy, and um, my dad wasn't. And uh, there's no, like, small talk. There's no, like, hey, sir, how are you? Hey, the kid's gotten a little thing today. Nothing. My dad holds up the papers with the cuss words, and he throws them in his face. <laughs> I kid you not. He goes, your boy ever touches my boy again, I'll be back, and I'm going to take care of you. you. You clear? He goes, yeah, we clear. 
gets in the car, we drive off. He looks, he gets in the car, looks at me and he goes, it's handled. And we drive home. Hey, you should have seen the swagger I had the next day on the bus. I got on the bus like, what's up, Jeff? Jeff was like all over by the window, looking out the window. Dude didn't make eye contact with me till he graduated high school. All my dad wanted from me was the willingness to get in the car and go to the fight with him. He was going to handle everything. When I'm saying it's time to fight, I'm not saying pull yourself up by your bootstraps and figure out how to get tougher and stronger. I'm saying let's decide that we're going to fight just enough that I'm going to lean into you, God, and I'll let you take me to the battlefield and win the battles I can't win on my own. For the Lord your God is he who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to give you the victory. It's time to fight city first. Number two, it's a spiritual battle. I, I had not understood this about my anxiety. But here's what I've learned after, after my two weeks in Alabama. I went to seven weeks of inpatient anti-anxiety counseling and therapy. And I mean, it was a whole deal. But I was in there and one, one of my counselors one day was like, you, you do realize that you're not fighting anxiety. You're not fighting depression. You're fighting the enemy. John 10, 10, the thief comes only to kill and steal and destroy. Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So Jesus said, there's a life I have in store for you, and I've given you certain things so that you can access that. Satan doesn't create stuff. He just twists God's creations, right? So he takes something that is supposed to help us in life, twists us, and tries to hurt us with it. In fact, my counselor said, Here, let, me, let, me, let me help you understand. He said, you don't actually want all anxiety to go away. There's some good, God-given, healthy fear that is supposed to be in your life. It's a gift from God. It's what keeps you from driving 100 miles an hour next to no guardrail on top of a mountain. It's from God. It keeps you safe. For me, where, where we live, we have rattlesnakes. I hate snakes. I'm afraid of garter snakes. I hate them all. But, like, there's certain places where if I go on hikes with my family, we're sort of, I'm always a little on high alert there's a little good, healthy, God-given fear in me looking out for things that could harm me and my family. That's a gift from God. It also helps us perform at our best. You got an important conversation. You got an important meeting. For me, it's like I get up here. You know, for an athlete, you step into the batter's box or you're about to go into the game or you're about to take a test or make a sale or whatever it is. And, and, and you know, you kind of get that feeling of like your body starts to amp up a little bit and, and, and the blood's flowing and you're kind of like you're on high alert. You're going to perform at your best. That's a gift from God. My counselors called that facilitating anxiety. It's from God. You're not fighting. You don't want all anxiety to go away. You want a little bit of this in your life. It's good for you. He said, but then there's debilitating anxiety. And this is where Satan twists this God-given gift into something that now you start to be afraid and on edge in situations where you shouldn't be afraid and on edge. And it gets so bad that it prohibits you from living a normal life. It prohibits you from walking in the plans God has for you. There's facilitating and debilitating anxiety. But we're not fighting anxiety. We're fighting the enemy. 
Let me show you the scripture. Ephesians 6, 10 through 12. Finally, be strong in the Lord. Talking about this inner fighter spirit we have. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God. Why? Because you're a fighter and you're going to need it. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Not against anxiety, not against depression, against the devil's schemes to take away the life to the fullest that Jesus has for us. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We're not fighting anxiety, we're fighting the enemy. So my pastor says it's time to fight. And I'm trying to make my peace with that. He's helping me understand it's a, it's a spiritual battle. And I was so embarrassed to say this to him, but I think some of you are going to know what this feels like. I looked across the table and I went, I don't know where to start. I'm a pastor. I'm supposed to know this stuff. But I feel so overwhelmed with anxiety. I feel so overwhelmed with depression. I'm starting to have real suicidal thoughts. I want to fight, of course. I don't even know where to start. He said, I'm going to tell you where we're going to start. We're going to pray, we're going to worship, and we're going to war. We're going to pray, we're going to worship, and we're going to war. He said, Satan hates it when we do this. And I was like, that's it? I mean, can we get something deeper than that? I've heard those things before. Like, And what's worship got to do with it anyways? That's 30 minutes of a church service where my feet get tired. Like, what? He said, here's the rules. He knew I was going to be there for two weeks. He said, you're going to take this little Bluetooth speaker. You're just going to go into that room because nobody's in that room during the week. And you and your wife are going to put on worship music. And whatever the volume of the music is, I want you and your wife to pray together out loud for 30 minutes. He said, you want to talk about some battling. You're going to war. My wife was very excited. I was not. <laughs> I don't like praying with my wife. I know. Let me just free some of you guys up. Maybe some of you girls. I just don't. I like one-minute prayers. Like, I, we pray for our kids. We pray before service. We pray all the time. Together. One minute. If I'm going to go have a big discussion with God, I don't want him listening to you too. I want his focus. You know what I mean? And I don't really want you to know everything I'm praying about. And so I don't like the less 30 minutes together, but my wife was so fired up. She was so excited. If you or someone you love is battling anxiety and you want to get real serious, I dare you to do this. I dare you to go, let's, let's put on some music and let's pray together out loud and do some battling, some spiritual battling for our freedom. Now let me tell you how it started, I'll just be honest. Every sing I created a playlist, I called it my attacking anxiety playlist, and every day it started with this song from Elevation Worship called uh, uh, I Will See a Victory. And the very next song was a song by Red Rocks Worship called Breakthrough. And those were the first two songs I'd listen to every single day. Now listen, I would go in this room, and here's how, here's how the two weeks started. We turn on music. My wife starts praying out loud. I sit on a couch and cry. That's how it started. Man, I got nothing in me, God. Every now and then I'd whisper, help. I just let the words of the song 
Speak faith over me. Help. Help. Help me, God. Help me, God. I need a miracle. Day two, put on the song. Sat on the couch and cried. Every now and then I'd whisper some of the lyrics. What the enemy meant for evil, you're going to turn it for good. Somehow I'm going to see a victory. Somehow I'm going to see a victory. I'd go to this window in the room and I'd play that song on repeat and I'd just look out the window at these trees and I'd just go, someday I'm going to see a victory. Someday I'm going to see a victory. About a week in, I'm now standing up walking around with my wife, still crying, but starting to sing some of the words, I'm going to see a breakthrough. In Jesus' name, I'm going to see a breakthrough. In Jesus' name, I'm going to see a victory. In Jesus' name, what the enemy meant for evil is not going to be the end of my story. This is not, by the end of the two weeks, I'm walking around the room with my hands up in the air going, I'm going to see a victory in Jesus' name. I can't feel it yet. I can't see it. But I have some promises that I'm standing on. I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to worship my way through this thing. And we're battling. After two weeks. I was not having daily panic attacks anymore. I was still hurting. I was still a mess. But I was already feeling so much stronger, so much better. Why? Why? Because God, all we were doing was saying the first thing I'm going to do to start battling is to step into his presence. The first thing I'm going to do to start battling, because it's a spiritual battle, so I'm going to step into the presence of my Father and start leaning on His strength for this battle. Put up those seven verses if you would. Listen, let's, here's some promises from God's Word. Take some screenshots of this right now. Here's some promises. There's peace in the presence of God. There's joy in the presence of God. There's rest in the presence of God. If it was just these three, it would change your life, wouldn't it? If I could just experience peace and joy and rest, my anxiety would all of a sudden become something I could handle. What if you started just taking those three verses, go look them up, type them on your phone, write them on a paper, put them on your computer, make them the screensaver of your phone, and for the next two weeks just went, I don't see it yet, but I believe peace is on the way. I don't see it yet, but joy is on the way. I don't feel it yet, but rest is on the way. He promises when I step into his presence, this is what I get. I'm going to stand on these. Number four, confidence. There's confidence in the presence of God. There's guidance in the presence of God. There's protection in the presence of God. There's power in the presence of God. Every one of those words are the things that we're praying for most days. And God said, I've already shown you how to get it. You don't have to pray for it anymore. Just step into my presence and start to experience it. I want you to get some joy, son. I want you to get some daughter peace. I want you to deal with this anxiety and this depression. Just get in the car with me. Let me drive you to the battle and I'll fight for you. See, as soon as, as soon as the Israelites got across the Jordan River, the first of their 31 battles was this battle called Jericho. And many of you, especially if you've been in church for a while, you'll be familiar with it. It was a battle that they couldn't win. There were walls that they could not get through. There was, there, they were set up for defeat. And God said, just, just, we'll just walk around for a week and just spend some time with me. And then on the seventh day, he said, you know what? Why don't you guys start worshiping today? 
why don't you fire up the trumpets? And why don't you start making a joyful noise unto the Lord? And why don't you see what happens? And they start worshiping on day seven, and the walls miraculously fall down, and they go win the victory. And God was showing them then and showing us now, sometimes we worship because we see a victory. Sometimes we worship until we see one. Sometimes we stand in the middle of a real hard thing and go, I can't see you working. I can't feel it. I don't know what's around the corner, but I choose to put my foot down right here and I'm just going to worship you until I see a victory. This is what this looks like out in the wild, in the real world. Because here's the thing I'm talking about. I got to take two weeks off work and I got to sit with a pastor for two weeks and he gave me a prayer room to use and that, that didn't happen for many people. Here's how it works in the wild. I'll never forget the day God said, this is how it looks. My son, Ethan, had just went on a missions trip to Africa with, uh, with our youth group. And he came back, and a couple weeks after he was back, he started feeling sick. And I'm usually like the you'll be fine guy. Jill's like, I don't know, he looks a little, maybe we should take him to the hospital. And I'm like, he'll be fine. But I had just done that with our other son, and he actually had a broken foot. And it was kind of a bad dad moment. So... I was like, no, no, take him to the hospital. That sounds good. She's, she calls me from the hospital. She's like, everything checked out fine. We're about to leave. And then all of a sudden, she goes, wait, wait, what, what's happening? What, what's, and I start hearing all these crazy noises and people. And she goes, wait, what, what? Ethan, Ethan, wait, what? I see you, what? My son went into this thing called septic shock. They rush him to the ICU. Jill's now crying. She's like, Sean, you got to get here. I speed over to the hospital. He goes into respiratory failure. Like, it's falling apart. We go in the ICU. We're in the ICU for five days. And the, the infectious disease team is in there like five times a day. Like, what did he eat? Where was he at? Who was he next to? What did he drink? What did he touch? What could have? They could not figure out what was. They, they, connect, they had so many IV bags trying to treat so many things they didn't know what was going on. They would have these ports in his arm where there would be like four things sticking out. And there would be IVs going into each one. And, and his veins were collapsing. And his, his organs were starting to shut down. And he gained like 15 pounds of water weight from all the fluid going into his body. And this was day five in the ICU. And I walked out into the, to the hallway and one of the doctors said, we can't figure out what's killing your son. Here's the percentage of the chances that he's gonna make it. And I lost it. I went outside and started walking around the hospital. And I'm like, God, please heal my son. Please heal my son. Please heal my son. Please heal my son. That's all I could say. Please heal my son. And I was teaching our church at the time that verse I told you about, Jeremiah. I think it's Jeremiah 1 9. This says, Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And I said, God, what do I do when I'm, when I'm trying, when I'm reading a verse that says, Don't be afraid, but I've never felt more afraid? What do I do when I'm reading a verse that says I can have peace, but I've never had more anxiety? What do I do that when I read a verse that says I can have joy, but I've never been more depressed? And I got this, this thought, he just dropped in my mind. I know it was him, I never would have thought of it. It was, Sean, you put your foot down and you put your hands up. I knew exactly what he was telling me. Son, I know you're scared. 
put your foot down and you stand on the promises of my word and you put your hands up and you worship until you see a victory. I got you. I'm going with you. Lean on me right now. I don't have time to finish the story. A miracle happened. They found what was killing my son. He couldn't be healthier today. But in the moment, what I learned was when I'm the most scared, it's when I most need to step into his presence. When I'm the most anxious, it's when I most need to step into his presence. When I'm the most depressed, I just need to get in the car and let him take me to the battlefield and I'm gonna stand on some present promises that say no weapon formed against me will prosper and greater is he who is within me than he that is in the world and what the enemy meant for evil, my God's gonna turn around and use it for good and I'm going to see a victory in Jesus' name. Everybody stand up with me if you would. I wanna pray for you. And then I'm going to invite you to sing that song that I started every one of my quiet times off with about I'm going to see a victory and I want you to start to feel it in your soul. I want you to start to stand on the promise of this song. All right? All right? Let's pray. God, I thank you that you're with us right now. I thank you that you're speaking to us right now. I thank you that you have a plan for us right now. I thank you that you are the God of peace and hope and future and confidence and joy. And I pray against anxiety and depression right now in the name of Jesus. You have no right. You have no authority. With everyone's eyes closed, I want to ask two questions. The first one is this. You or someone you love needs God to intervene when it comes to anxiety and depression. And today you're just going to say, I'm going to start standing on his promises and I'm going to start believing for it. But you need a miracle right now. Raise your hand if that's you. Anxiety and depression has been winning in you or your loved one's life. Yeah, there's hands all over the place. It's just real. All right, second question is this. You don't have a relationship with God yet. And as I've been talking about the power of God in our lives, working in and through us, like you can feel something's happening inside your heart. That's, the, that's, the, that's a God who loves you, who's trying to draw you into a relationship with Him today so He can begin to work in and through your life in the here and now, but also forgive you of your sins and give you heaven for all of eternity. And you just know, you know what? I didn't see this coming. I'm not gonna be perfect. I don't know how this is gonna turn out, but I know this is my day to say yes to Jesus. I need His Spirit in my life. I want His forgiveness. I want heaven forever today. I say yes to Jesus. If that's you right now, raise your hand. I'm just gonna say a prayer for you. Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. Come on, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. God, I thank you that you're with us. I thank you that you're working. I thank you for the lives that are being changed for eternity right now. As we worship you, I pray they would experience your presence in such a real and authentic way. And God, I pray for freedom in the name of Jesus against anxiety, depression, hopelessness, and suicidal thoughts. And I stand on your word that we will see a victory in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. I'm gonna see you